You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Today we're talking to Victoria Van Horis, who is the founder and CEO of Second Avenue Learning. Tori is not only a highly sought-after speaker and Digital Rochester Technology Woman of the Year, she has also served as the principal investigator for both Department of Education and National Science Foundation grants. So if you want money, Tori, you need to be nice <laughs> to her. <laughs> uh, her company, Second Avenue Learning, has created two amazing gaming resources that help teachers improve their students' learning experience. The first is a STEM program called Martha Madison, and the second, which we'll be talking about today because this is a election podcast, is Voters Ed. Hey, Tori. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Tori. It's a real pleasure for us, and uh, we're happy that um, you know we're able to connect and talk about this great tool you've developed. We've been able to take a look, and um, we're just really interested in you know uh, you first of all. We obviously know your bio, but we want to hear about who you are, and then about you know Second Avenue Learning and the Voters Ed tool. Awesome. So I used to be a classroom teacher before I started this tech company, and I, the whole reason I started it was because I wanted to create better application better resources for teachers who are teaching this next generation of kids. I, would, I had this moment where I was standing in a classroom with a piece of chalk in my hand, making a mark on a chalkboard, realizing that I was using literally Stone Age technology to teach this cohort <laughs> of 21st century learners. And I was like, oh, this is just not right. Um, so that's sort of the genesis of Second Avenue, which was really to create an alternate path to learning by creating best in class uh, applications for the education market. And um, the first version of Voters Ed we did for the 2012 election, and I was talking to my kids, and the teachers were spinning up the election teaching with like popsicle sticks and colored pencils. And at home, the kids were watching the magic wall on CNN. And I was like, okay, we, we've got to find a way to really make um, the, the power of technology work to help teachers educate students about our election process because it is a very complicated process. Um, and so the idea was to really put the power of the pundits in the hands of kids and classroom teachers by making a very intuitive, interactive application that was um, spin-free, so no advertising and um, and uh, no editorial content that would make it distracting or difficult for a teacher to have a meaningful conversation in the classroom. So there are some free resources out there um, that everybody knows about, like 270 to win and 538.com, and those guys do a great job. But if you're a teacher in a classroom with an interactive whiteboard and you're going to tap on their content, you have no control over the editorial stream that's going to pop up or the ads that are going to pop up. And that can be very problematic. Um, and so 
we decided to create something that put history um, into the application so kids had historical context, as well as give them the tools to really think about, synthesize, and predict and share their own maps with with regard to the upcoming election. And so we did that for 2012. And then for 2016, we had this crystal ball here in our office that said, this is going to be a crazy primary season. So um, (laughs) I really wish I'd put some money on that because I don't think anybody could have predicted how crazy it was. Um, And we created this, a new whole section of the application to teach kids about the primaries. And by kids, I really mean like late elementary school through college because we partnered with a couple of teachers um, that teach at the college level, uh, professors Paul Sutton or Paul Ferber and Sean Sutton, and they say that their incoming students that are poli sci majors still don't get the primary system in the electoral college. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, and we have parents that tell us that all the time. And so now you can play with a map that teaches you about open primaries, closed primaries, caucuses, modified, and all that crazy stuff. Uh, so that you get to see how the um, primary system works, and then it gets you into the general election. Um, and then you can also go back and look at you know elections all the way back to 1789 and see the evolution of political parties and what issues were affecting the country at different points in time and do your own trend analysis. Um, and so that's that was really the genesis behind it was to give teachers and students tools that were relevant to them today to help them unpack and contextualize the election system. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And what we've noticed in some of the comments that we have received, Ben and I, you know, we're just a couple of cousins talking about elections here, but we're getting political science majors or those who have majored in political science who don't understand some of those Mm -hmm. nuances, especially of the primaries, like you mentioned. Do you notice that as a recurring thing? Like, we just don't get it. Well, we don't get it. Um, And the problem that we have is that our primary system is really controlled by two independent entities, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and some of the minor parties. And those parties have the capacity to change the rules. And so we've seen a couple of major um, shifts in the way primaries are conducted Uh, and they will continue to shift. And unless you are a really proactive um, citizen, you aren't going to be aware of the nuances and changes that happen. And so, you know, after the 1968 election, uh, there was a major reframing of the political process that led to the um, primary system that we have now. And even that primary system has changed multiple times um, since 1972 when it really first debuted. And so voters have to continuously re-educate themselves. And um, the nuances of this system are so complicated that it's difficult for a kid who's majoring in poli-sci to get to the, you know, individual level in 50 states to understand how each of those um, systems work that, you know, so as they're as they're educating themselves, the parties are actually changing the rules. And um, by the time their degree is minted, you know, the rules have changed again. And, you know, that you're in in this most recent election, 
uh, Bernie Sanders was really calling on the Democratic Party to change some of their rules because of some of the process problems that he saw. And um, that will, you know, his voice is now going to have an impact on future primaries. Um, and so the, the dynamic system is a, is a hurdle. The complexity of the system is a hurdle. And the fact that not everybody wants everybody to be fully educated is a hurdle. Um, there's a certain power in um, obfuscation, and uh, that ha that's on both parties, both of the major parties. So um, creating tools to let people see exactly how the system works in a graphic way um, was really the challenge that we put before the team. And I think they did a great job. Um, I love playing with a map where you can say, okay, now if the primaries, if I only look at closed primary states, who won? And all of a sudden, things really start to reveal themselves. And if you look at caucus states, something else shows up. And, you know, and it, then you can do a quick compare between Democrats and Republicans in terms of the way those rules work. And those rules are different in states like you can look at one state and the Democrats have one set of rules and the Republicans have another. So, you know, it's it's a it's a moving target that is com complex. It's almost like you're saying there's not a level playing field that's fair. I don't I don't get it. I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are several candidates in this round um, of the presidential election that would say that there's not a level playing field and yeah. that isn't fair. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, in the current, you know, general election candidates, I think if you were to interview Jill Stein and Gary Johnson, um, they would both say that we don't have a level playing field. And the fact that the presidential debates are controlled not by the government or any independent entity, but by a private entity that is controlled by just Democrats and Republicans, you know, that's something that I think they would say isn't fair. Not, you know, and I'm not endorsing any of the current political candidates, but we have we have a discourse problem um, and we have a ballot access problem and we have a complexity problem. Uh, and so for for kids that are just learning about the fact that we don't actually have a national election, that we actually have 50 state elections and that, you know, we can tip an election by, you know, pandering to just one or two states, that's a that's an important message for them to understand. Yeah, fascinating. I know in my state, one party decided to have a caucus because, well, one of the people who were running in the primary was also holding a current office. So they had to change the rules, turn it into a caucus for that party, most of the people in the state had no idea that, well, a caucus was going to happen. And then for those who did learn about the caucus, many of them stood in line for a couple hours to submit their vote. Yeah. And, you know, that that's a huge issue. We had similar issues in my state where, you know, the, they kept changing the rules about when you had to be registered with which party because New York State is closed primary and a lot of people showed up to vote and they had to they had to vote with affidavit ballots that um, were never counted and people were purged from voter rolls in certain um, in certain precincts and that caused a lot of uh, discontent about the final outcome um, in the New York State primaries. Uh, and people, you know, even who are trying to be educated found themselves frustrated. Um, 
So I can only imagine if you went from having a primary to a caucus um, and not having a good education uh, initiative in the state to tell people about the transformation, how frustrating that must have been for your local voters. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's get back to the tool. <laughs> how would, and, and you've talked a, a little bit about how this would be used in the classroom, but um, let's say I'm a, I'm a history teacher and I find, I find voters ed on election college podcast. What, what do I need to do? How do I log in? Is it something that I need to purchase? Uh, what grade levels, uh, if I'm an adult, can I use it? Okay. So um, we've actually tried to make voters ed really accessible throughout the country. So you can come to our website, um, which is www.secondavenuelearning.com and purchase it directly. If you are a district that's Clever enabled, where uh, you can click on it inside of Clever. Uh, and we're also, um, we have uh, materials out there and brain pop, um, and ed elements and some other great places, uh, so that people have access to it. Um, so that would be the first way to get access. We've made, we've made it super affordable. It's a dollar a copy, um, which is as low as you can go, Mm -hmm. um, and still have a software application that you're regularly updating and maintaining, um, free isn't sustainable, unfortunately. And so if you buy it, you'll get a license. Um, Teachers typically buy um, a license for their classroom in addition to their own license, or we've had districts adopt it so that they can run a school-wide mock election, which is, I can't wait to hear how those go. Um, And there's a couple of different ways that teachers can use it. So uh, we have a lot of teachers that use it at their interactive whiteboards um, so that they can actually, you know, play Wolf Blitzer in the classroom uh, (laughs) and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> scroll through maps and turn states different colors and dig into information. We update the polling data um, at least every week. Uh, and we're tracking um, the four candidates who are on the ballot in all 50 states right now. Nice. Um, and then students uh, can use it on um, just about any device except a phone because our map doesn't really work well at phone scale, right? Um mm-hmm. So it works on tablets, it works on Chromebooks, it works on PCs, and you have the ability to share a map with your teacher so you can make your prediction outcome and then uh, send a little bit.ly-like code to your teacher and she can see the map that you've made. Teachers can save up to 10 different maps or you can save up to 10 different maps in your personal um, uh your personal subscription and uh, you know, you can update them and, and change them whenever you want. So it, it gives you a way to sort of track the election each week um, between now and November 7th. We've, I think got 35 days left, but who's counting. And, um, (laughs) and then after that, you can go back into the election over the course of the year um, because we have lesson plans that are um, being developed um, for the history part of the application. So for the general election, we have um, lesson plans for late elementary, middle school, high school, and AP. Um, we're actually building out more lesson plans right now to help teachers uh, implement this in their classroom that are correlated to the social science standards as well as Common Core ELA and um, AP Gov and AP US. 
And um, then we're going to be uh, rolling out election plans for a critical historical elections so that the application, it can be used not just between now and November 7th, um, but throughout the year as you're engaging your students in a look at U.S. history. Would you like to talk about any favorite elections? Oh, absolutely. There are a couple of there are a couple of elections that I think people love to forget um, or don't think deeply about. Um, I think if people go back to um, the election of Kennedy, people have forgotten how very close it was. Um, and if you look at the impact of a third party candidate on that election, um, the difference in votes between Kennedy and Nixon in that first election was about 100,000 votes, which in a national election, we all know is a nail biter. And it was more votes than that that uh, swayed the 2000 election. Um, so if you look at that election, a third party candidate had a significant impact um, that gave uh, Kennedy a leg up in that election. And then the other election in modern times that many people, I think, have overlooked um, or perhaps want to have political amnesia about is the 1972 election when all of the states, except for Massachusetts and the District of Columbia, overwhelmingly reelected Richard Nixon in the face of substantial controversy. So he's the politician that we love to hate, but we forget as a country how overwhelmingly he was um uh, re-elected. And so there, there are lessons there um, that um, even though we have eight minutes of tape and, um, you know, a bungled burglary, we ended up impeaching a president who the country <laughs> overwhelmingly um, re-elected. And if we compare that to our current candidates and most in recent um, elected officials, we've got, you know, literally between different administrations, hundreds of thousands of um, emails that have gone missing. <laughs> so not just yeah. including our current candidates, but prior, uh, <laughs> current and prior administrations. So right. uh, we've got records retentions policies that ha that aren't being evenly, um, uh, aren't being applied in an even handed away across policies. So those are two modern elections that are very interesting. And then obviously, if you go back to um, the uh, re-election of Abraham Lincoln after, uh, you know, while we're in the midst of the Civil War, you can see what happened with the border states and what the electoral map looked like without the South. Um, so, you know, this country has lived through a lot and um, there are certainly uh radical transformations that have occurred in the parties. Um, so, you know, Lincoln was the birth of the Republican Party for all intents and purposes. And that party has changed and transformed um, since its inception into something that I don't think he would recognize, um, certainly. And then I don't even think Herbert Hoover uh, would recognize who had the misfortune of being elected in the face of um, a major economic depression and then, you know, was trying to recast uh, the Republican Party as one of fiscal conservatism. So lots of interesting elections to go and look at. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm thinking about myself and all the interest I've had in the past about elections and about um, just different ways to be engaged and you know, as a high schooler, even middle schooler, I've always felt like uh, I was the only one, or me or a couple buddies were the only ones 
And I really see this being a great way to, you know, your tool being a great way to engage students who would not otherwise care because, you know, let's face it, screens are now a part of our lives and are definitely a part of learning and and can be used in really great ways. Do you have any, you know, awesome success stories or um, have you you heard from anybody about, wow, this tool really impacted me in a way that I didn't expect it to or my students in a way that I didn't expect it to? Uh, We certainly have had those kinds of stories from uh, teachers from around the country. One of the stories that I is actually from our last um, uh, is from the last election. We had a teacher who was using it in his middle school classroom, and he had a young lady who had an IEP. And for those of you who aren't educators, it's an individualized education uh, plan. And she was reading and doing math well below grade level. Um, and she was actually able to come up to the interactive whiteboard and interpret the poll data, um, and confidently call which states were swing states and who was trending in which states. And she, because we made the, the visual representation of quantitative data really easy for her. Um, and she was able to have a tremendous amount of success and it turned that whole classroom into a group of election junkies and they ended up having um, a pizza party at the end and the local news came out to cover them um, because they were so excited about the election. So that was great. Um, And so making the elections accessible to kids across um, the learning spectrum has been great. And then we had one kid the other day who was using... um, Snapchat to put out his prediction for the states. <laughs> I was like, "You're a brave man, a very brave man to be engaging in this." <laughs> so kids are using social media um, and taking pictures of their prediction maps uh, to engage in this uh, conversation. And I think that one of the things that the current pundits don't understand about millennials is that they're deeply engaged in this election. And they're using media very differently. They're using Instagram. They're using Snapchat. They're using um, applications. And they're teaching themselves about the issues in very different ways. So um, that's it's interesting and exciting. And I, you know, I had no idea that this one high schooler was going to start a a snap story or my kids will make fun of me because I don't think I have the lingo quite right, uh, about his election (laughs) predictions. Um, but you know, hats off to him. So to our listeners, we invite you to check out Tori and second Avenue's awesome program voters ed. Just go to electioncollege.com slash voters dash ed, and you can find out more information there. Tori, where can people connect with you? Uh, they can connect with me um, really easily. I have a Twitter handle at Tori Van V. I'm also on LinkedIn, and they can contact me via email if they want. It's a really simple email. It's Tori, T-O-R-Y, at secondavenuelearning.com. Would love to hear from you and would love feedback on the applications that we build. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a ton, Tori. Have a great day. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.